0: The elevation gain and descent is about the same as running from sea level to the mount, to the top of Mount Everest and back. It's about 33,000 feet of ascent and then 33,000 feet of descent.
1: This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180TAC. Get out there and have some fun. Welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. This is your host, Kurt Linville. We have a fun show today about distance running, trail running, mountain running, ultramarathoning, and especially about the Hard Rock 100. Dale Garland is our guest. Dale Garland grew up in Colorado. He moved to Durango, Colorado in 1978. And since 1992, he has been the director of the Hard Rock 100 race. Dale, welcome to the program.
0: Thanks, Kurt. Glad to be
1: here. So, Dale, take a minute to tell us about yourself Mm -hmm. and a little bit more about your connection to these distance runs.
0: Sure. Well, uh... As, as you mentioned, um, I moved to Durango in 1978, and actually, kind of been that was part of the 1970s, you know, running boom. And fortunately for me, we had a, a couple of really uh, ardent and and very de- dedicated runners who kind of took me under their wing and kind of trained me in the shorter distance runnings. Uh, and I grew up in in the 10k to marathon kind of sequence. And then in the 1980s, I uh, became interested in trail running. And, and this all kind of started – uh, my, my foray into ultra-distance running started in 1988 when I, with three other guys, uh, planned and then ran the Colorado Trail as part of its opening. And that's what kind of opened my eyes to the whole sport of ultra-distance running.
1: Wow. The Colorado Trail, for, for listeners who don't know – that trail goes from Denver to Durango, or in your case, from Durango to Denver, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not a short run. It's about, well, it's over 400 miles through right. the high peaks of Colorado. Right. Uh,
0: what and, was that yeah, like? We were, wow. Well, you know, it was, it was kind of interesting, Kurt. We When we were planning it, we planned it as part of uh, the opening of the actual trail that they had been building. Goody Gaskell is the kind of the heart and soul of, of the Colorado Trail. And, and she and I had kind of put this idea together a couple of years before the opening. In fact, she was the one that kind of suggested, well, you like to run. Why don't you, you know, be part of the opening and, and run run the Colorado Trail, and we'll welcome you as we open the Colorado Trail, and it'll all kind of be this kind of part of this dedication. Uh, but it's, it's a spectacular, spectacular event, uh, way to see Colorado. And as you said, it goes over the high peaks, uh, and it, it really is one of the most scenic uh, runs that I've ever ever had the have the joy to do. Uh, and so we start. We started in you know 17 days. It took us 17 days, averaging around 30 to 35 miles a day. Uh, you know, some of those times we were running a little bit further than the trail because we were actually ahead of some of the trail marking crews. And so there were often instances of when we we were running by as they were putting in the directional signs, So we were never quite sure if we were on the right trail or not. And and this was before GPS or spot or anything like that. And so we, we spent a lot of time being lost. We got lost almost every day, but we ended up being in Denver for the, for the dedication. And uh, it was a real, you know, you talk about those kinds of experiences that formulate or form a, a part of your life. And that was definitely one of, one of the things that, that got me hooked on on long distance running,
1: wow, fascinating, so thirty to thirty five miles a day um a lot of people say well i I raced a marathon and now I got to recover for two months <laughs> yeah and so yeah, this is different this is going a lot farther than a marathon every day,
0: right yeah and that, and that would and Kurt, you bring up a really good point because that was one of the things that we had to kind of learn by doing uh this was ultra distance running was still in its infancy in the 1980s. And so we didn't have a lot of uh, a large body of knowledge or a lot of group, a lot of people to to kind of talk with or or compare notes with. And, and so that day-to-day grind did kind of take its toll, you know, And, and you're exactly right. You know, a marathon, you recover for months at a time and we just never had that, that opportunity to, to recover. And so that is, I think, physiologically the hardest thing that I've ever done mm, I can't imagine especially. but now to, to kind of elevate that uh, now we have we did we took we took 17 days to do it um, now the the fastest anybody's done it is about half of that it's, it's a little over eight and a half days eight and a half days yeah yeah it's phenomenal uh, the guy who actually the guy who has done that it's known as the fastest known time. Is a hard rock. He's a five-time hard rock finisher. His name is Scott Hyme, and he lives in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah.
1: I, you know, I, I saw a film once about a bunch of guys who decided to run across the Sahara Desert. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I am a extreme novice when it comes to these ultra distance runs. But one thing that they focused on, and I'd like you to t- tell us a little about, a bit about, is that they focused on their stride and their pace. So that they could preserve their their muscles and their bones to to run the next day. So exactly, what can you yeah. tell us about that?
0: Well, that's exactly it. It's it's about uh, taking care of yourself and not getting getting ahead of yourself uh, on any given day. Even like when you're running downhill or or whatever. In fact, sometimes running downhill towards the end of that towards the end of our run on the Colorado Trail, running downhill was almost as painful as running uphill because of the, the cumulative effect of, you know, just pounding mile after mile after mile. But but to those who are kind of listening, who are familiar with marathon racing or 10K racing or 5K racing where, you know, per mile averages can be anywhere from five to eight or five to nine or five to 10 minute miles. You know, we were averaging probably 50% more of that, you know, 15 to 20 minute miles is what we were we were kind of, you know, aiming for. And so controlling that pace and, and, and then also controlling the pace, and then also making sure every night you had a chance to do as much recovery as you could, that your diet was right. Uh, we had people who, one of our, one of our runners was a, a, a physical therapist. And so he was always making sure that we, our muscles were massaged and, and relaxed and that kind of thing. It it was a, it was a total, total experience. It wasn't just running. It was, you know, running, eating, sleeping, all that all that rolled into one plus I got to spend seventeen days with some of the coolest people i've 've ever met we're all still really good friends <laughs> that's fantastic too so if yeah. if you 're doing maybe twelve
1: minute miles fifteen minute mm-hmm. miles and you're going forty miles so you're talking about running ten hours or more a day
0: mm-hmm yeah yeah we were always we were, we tried to be on the trail by six in the morning and and that was if your listeners are familiar with Colorado in the summer, we, you know, you have to, uh, there's a big chance that you're going to get wet in the afternoon. And so we always tried to somehow be on the, on the trail by six and be off the trail by four or four 30. So we could avoid some of the monsoons and, and some of the lightning that we knew we'd experience, you know, upon on some of the high peaks.
1: Oh yeah. The lightning here is just intense. It's insane. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So did you uh, have any close calls on this run or did you manage to skirt no. all that?
0: Yeah, <laughs> we managed to skirt all the, the real <clears> – <throat> um, the weather-related things. Yeah, we didn't have any, any real issues with with weather uh, other than you know getting wet, obviously. And, and some days we were more successful in, in dodging the thunderstorms, but there was never any kind of a, uh, an imminent threat to us for you – know, in terms of weather or that kind of thing. So we were lucky in that. We were lucky in that sense. Oh, that's good. So why yeah. would you encourage people to
1: try this ultra distance running?
0: You know, I, I think ultra distance running offers two or three different things. And I kind of alluded to one already that through ultra distance running and especially, I mean, ultra distance for people who are kind of new to this is anything longer than a marathon. So, uh, in ultra distance runs, Kind of start with uh, 50 kilometers, which is around 31 miles, to 7, 10, 12, you know, 7, 12 day races, you know, where you're just running for, for days on end. Um, my particular area of interest is on the, the trail side of things. There is a, a road component to ultra distance running. I mean, if, you know, you can, you can compete in ultra distance running. By running around Central Park, I mean there's some some races in Central Park in New York where you just run for days on end around Central Park, or run around a track for 24 hours, or for 48 hours, or for uh, 72 hours, or something like that. But my my interest is in in getting out in on the trails, and I think ultra distance running offers a chance to see nature in in a very unique way. Uh, that you know you you see some beautiful beautiful country in the United States and is is full of great trails to run on that that you can access by running and and it's it's a really good way to see some of the prettiest country you know prettiest country in the world i think the 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 second thing is and it's changed a little bit the sport has changed as it's become a little bit more mainstream but in the 80s and the 90s and, and into the early 2000s it was kind of a select group of people and and there was a uh and, and Hard Rock, and I'll talk a little bit more about this when we start talking about Hard Rock, but there's a, a definite camaraderie among people um, who run ultra-distance running. And there's a lot of times where, you know, you're in it for the shared experience, and you can talk about runs that you've been on with people, or you come to a run and it's like a family reunion and all those kind of things. And that I don't know if you get that when you go to an event like Boston or New York or – you know, a big boss, a big marathon or a big, you know, 10K race or a 5K race or something like that. And and I think the third thing for for being in in ultra distance running is it's a real chance to test your mental and physical boundaries and and what you are. It's a personal challenge. There's not a lot of money, there's not a lot of glory uh in it. And so what what I found over the years that I've been involved in it is that People are in it really to to test themselves and challenge themselves and to see what see what they can do. And I think that's a really cool it's a really cool way of doing that.
1: That's yeah, look, that's fantastic. I uh <laughs> you know, I think about testing myself and I, I'm not an ultra distance runner, I'll just say that up front. You know, I've uh-huh. tested myself in a lot of ways, but going the distance, that's it's gotta be the ultimate test.
0: Right. Right.
1: That's, that's yeah, going to be tough.
0: Yeah, it's, it is. And, and, you know, and, and people who have done something, and again, you know, the, it's kind of interesting. I was reading an article, uh, two or three weeks ago now where the hundred mile run is on. In fact, it was called is the hundred mile race, the new marathon, you know? And so there, there's some, some changing there, but still running a hundred miles is it's, it's an accomplishment no matter how, you know, where or how long you do it. Um, and and so it's it's really cool to be around people who have that kind of mindset that they're going to just they're going to stick it out and they're going to they're going to see what they can do
1: you know people hear a lot about the runner's high and people uh-huh. can get the runner's high in a lot less than 100 miles <laughs> <laughs> but you know on a longer yeah. race like yeah this, but at 100
0: miles you get to get runner's high again and again and, and again. again and again <laughs> there you go
2: Have you ever wished that things were just the way you wanted them to be? How about if you had the chance to tell a whole nation how to run things? Well, now you can. The Ultimate Adventure Sports Initiative is eager to receive your ideas, projects, and dreams to help turn the nation of Ecuador into the ultimate adventure sports experience. Visit ultimateadventuresports.com and let the world know what you think. That's ultimateadventuresports.com. You can also visit them on Facebook at facebook.com slash ultimate adventure sports.
1: Underwater Fantasies is your full service scuba snorkel and travel center. We are a paddy five-star facility with an on-site indoor heated pool. We teach scuba classes several times a month from beginner to professional level certifications. Once you're certified, join us on one of our group trips or let us help you plan your own tropical getaway. Call us at 303-988-6725 or find us online at www.uwfantasies.com. That's U-W-P-H-A-N-T-A-S-E-A-S dot com. going to ask about that i mean does it kind of cycle through and and give you that little extra push here and there
0: oh yeah yeah and and there is you know and and again from a competitor's point of view uh i after after this colorado trail thing i became very interested in in racing and running for myself um ultra distance runs and i started with uh, a 50 kilometer actually in Glenwood springs colorado and then, kind of gradually moved up to some of the the longer distance, hundred miles, forty eight hour runs, things like that. Um, but yeah, you you experience the the wide range of human emotion. I mean, there's times where you're just so happy, and you you come you come up on top of a mountain, and you look out, and you can see for miles and miles and miles, and you just go, "Holy mackerel!" You know, there's no place I'd rather be. And then I've been I've been on the other end too, where it's like, "Please just." don't make me take another step, you know, and, and, finding, and finding that fortitude or finding whatever it is to, to take that next step was a real challenge. And so, yeah, I, I've had runner's highs, but I've had some runner's lows too. Mm. You know, the runner's high, my
1: understanding is it's triggered by various hormones, endorphins, and things. Mm-hmm. They deaden pain mm-hmm. and, and give mm-hmm. you a feeling of well-being and all of that. Can it be dangerous, actually, because if you don't feel the pain, are injuries more likely?
0: Yeah, I think that's that's a real possibility. Yeah, I think I think that 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 does happen. Um, this runner's euphoria, uh, this sense of, that leads to maybe this sense of invis- invincibility, uh, the other th- is is real. And I think the other thing that sometimes happens is that people are so focused on finishing that sometimes, and we've de- we've dealt with this uh, several times at Hard Rock, where people become so focused on finishing that they disregard what their body is telling them and and that can be real dangerous i mean where we've we've experienced people with kidney failure you know renal shutdown um you know um just things just total body shutdown things that that end up getting them into some some physiological trouble
1: man so we have
0: to be aware of that
1: well can you tell us a story of a really amazing experience that you think hooked you on the sport, but tell us, you've already told us about running the, the Colorado trail, which is an amazing story, but what does it feel like? What, what are the experiences when you're doing that sort of thing?
0: Wow. Um, kind of hard to put into, into words sometimes, but just, for me, what it was is, uh, and it's it's a sense of not only physical well being, but just I'm at, when I mean, when when I was running, and uh, this this was a sport, uh, and I and I guess I should tell people that that I'm no longer running, and we can talk about that in a little bit, but uh, just a, a sense of peace and a sense of just. I don't know. Not euphoria. I wouldn't say euphoria, but, but I've the happiest times I can think of um, athletically have been not necessarily even racing, just being out there training and running in the mountains and that kind of thing. Um, it's, it's kind of hard to describe, Kurt. That's a, that's a really good question. I wish I had a, a, really, a really good answer or I wish I was a poet and I could kind of put that into words, but it's, it's hard. It's hard to, hard to describe. You know,
1: I think you succeeded right there. You know, when something is so amazing and so far off the the norm, the day to day norm that that we can't even put it into words. Yeah. Um that's saying yeah. something. Yeah. I think you, least, and, you know to and,
0: that. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I you know, and, and we were talking before we started this thing, you know, um uh, I think you can find that in other ways. It just happens to be that this is the way I found it. I mean, I'm also starting to get very interested in scuba diving and I'm finding some of those things too, that sense of weightlessness and that sense of peace under the water and that kind of thing is, is really cool too. But, um, so whatever it is, you know, you know, when you're, you know, when you're there, I think.
1: Well, that's neat. Well, Hey, can you tell us a story about a time that things did not go right? And yeah. the reason why we ask this is it gives the listeners an opportunity to learn from other people's sure. hardships, you know. Yeah. But tell us tell us how you managed and, and tell what us, happened. Tell us
0: when things didn't go well. That's right. Right. Uh, yeah, I think the one that, that comes to mind, and this was four or five years into my ultra racing career. Uh, I ran it at the probably the best known of the hundred mile in trail runs trail races. And that was called, it's called the Western States 100 and it's held in Northern California. Starts at Squaw Valley and and kind of goes through the area around um, Squaw Valley. And uh, it's, it's the it's to hundred mile runs what Boston marathon is to marathoning. It's, it's, it's been the gold standard forever. It's the one that most everybody knows and that kind of thing. And so uh, I was fortunate enough to be selected to, to run and started out really great. Um, have, was having a, having a good race and I was really, you know, enjoying being, being running where I was and in part of the event and things like that. And, um, about three quarters in it, this, you run through these canyons and you run through these, these hot areas. And so I was getting really thirsty and, um, in ultra distance running, one of the biggest nemesis is, is hydration. You have to just have to stay hydrated. And, um, I was a fair, I hadn't been racing that long. So I, and there are these checkpoints, these aid stations where they have water and uh, just a variety of, of of beverages, um, energy replacement drinks and things like that. Well, for me, uh, what I really craved during that time was Coca-Cola. And, and so I was drinking a lot of Coca-Cola Getting up and running, and drinking more Coca Cola, and pretty soon I got to the point where um, I was I was starting to throw up everything in my stomach. Um, mm. It just wasn't agreeing. It just wasn't agreeing with me, and I went from basically running to sur- walking to survival shuffling and. We got to um, my pacer. In in ultra-distance running, you can have a pacer at a lot of events, you know, who's there really to kind of for your safety and camaraderie and that kind of thing. And so my pacer and I, um, we got to uh, the second to the last aid station, and it was – you know, and he just looked at me, he says, can you make it? And it's like, you know, I don't know, but you know, I'm, I'm going to try to, you know, just try to finish at this point, be all, all sense of trying to finish in as under a certain time had kind of gone by the wayside. But, um, I got up out of the, out of the chair. Um, there's the thing called beware of the chair because a lot of times when you sit down, you never get back up, mm. you know, but, uh, so I got up and, and just started walking and I'd walk for maybe a quarter of a mile and then I'd throw up and then I'd walk for another quarter of a mile. And I think the last, it took us about, I was, run, I was doing about two miles an hour at that point and throwing up everything that, that I had until finally there was nothing left for me to throw up. And then I just started throwing up parts of my body, um, bile and that kind of stuff. And I ended up being on. Um, I did finish I walked into the finish line and immediately just uh, the the medical people said, you're coming with us and they, they, they got me they got me um, stabilized and they put me on IVs and um, I didn't have to go to the hospital but I spent the next six to eight hours you know just recovering and with IVs in my arms and things like that.
1: It sounds like it was a severe electrolyte imbalance of some sort.
0: Oh huge huge yeah and it was just something that that, uh, yeah, when it went south, it went south in a big way for me. And luckily I had, I had a really good pace. who was very patient and, and got me to the finish line. And, um, but, uh, it was a very humbling experience. And I learned a lot about, you know, the need to take care of yourself after that. But, uh, I was really proud. That's of all, of all of my finishes. That's the one I'm probably the most proud of just because I had to overcome the most. Oh Yeah if you
1: were running the same run again today how would you change mm-hmm. your methods
0: um i would probably slow I, I i wouldn't drink coca-cola for sure uh but i would uh be you, you i mean what you said is is exactly right um, be be more cognizant of what it is i'm putting into my into my system you know and and paying attention to electrolytes and paying attention to good hydration as opposed to just getting something to quench my thirst and also kind of th- this was a re- this was a thing where I thought okay when I first started I wanted to go under, under 20 hours and then when it started to go bad I'd say like, oh 24 hours sounds good and then okay maybe I can make it you know 26 hours and you know and so being more realistic with my goals earlier on in the event was probably something I would I'd reevaluate. Well, wow, that's
1: amazing. I I don't know of many people that have had to push themselves that hard. Um, what kind of life lesson did you get out of that? I, I can't imagine going that hard <laughs> for that long and not learning something big.
0: Well, yeah, per, be smart. Um, you know, I guess the life lesson is uh, there's a there's a huge thing of perseverance that if you want something bad enough, you just sometimes you have to suffer for it and. Uh, it, and the things that you really want sometimes don't come easy, and uh, you know there. And there was a part of me during that that whole experience that I, I was doing it for me, but I was also doing it. My my father was there, um, my friend who was paced me was there, and and so I felt like you know sometimes you you have to commit to those around you, and and so there's a lot of times it's like I can't quit because you know look at how much John and my dad had had committed to me to be there and so I wanted to you know I couldn't quit because I felt like I would have let them down as well but uh, yeah perseverance and planning and and I think the, the youth of the the best thing if you want to do it in a soundbite is you don't life's a journey and, it, and it's one step at a time and you don't win it in the first five miles or the first 10 miles you know it's it's for the long haul
1: mm, well said what are the logistics of running a race like this? Um, do you change shoes? Uh, how do yeah. you how do you refuel? Do you get to sleep yeah. at all, or is this a twenty four mm-hmm. hour on your feet? You know what's what's going on
0: here. Um, for a hundred miles, it depends on the course. You know, when I ran Western States or say Leadville, you can run it pretty much straight through. Uh, there are you know. Checkpoints at every one of these where you can stop for two or three minutes, get hydrated, that kind of thing. Uh, at Hard Rock, we it's, it's a little bit longer. Um, most people have over a course of the average. The average time is north of thirty hours. Uh, north, actually, closer to forty. And and so there's a lot of time sitting down for two, you know, thirty minutes or forty five minutes is a, is a prudent thing to do. But yeah, there's there's a whole feed and fluid schedule that, that most runners develop, you know, what do you need at certain points, you know, in terms of your hydration, in terms of your energy and in terms of, of calorie replacement, that kind of thing. And then there's also the whole idea of, of clothing, you know, especially where you're in a, in different environments. Um, For example, like hard rock, you can be in 70 degrees at 9,000 feet, you know, and within two hours, be at 14,000 feet in a hailstorm. And so you have to prepare for, you know, a variety of, of environmental conditions as well, which is, which is a whole different thing.
1: So there's a lot of uh, strategy and planning and learning that goes into Huge. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, do you have a funny story for us about distance running?
0: I do. Yeah. And this is, this is one that, that comes from hard rock. Uh, Hard rock, as, as you mentioned, I, Hard Rock is a, a running 100 a mile run that, if your listeners are familiar at all with uh, southern Colorado, southwest Colorado, links the mining towns of Silverton, Uray, Telluride, and Lake City. And we go over the mountains um, uh, that connect those four towns. Uh, the the analogy would be similar to, or the elevation gain and descent is about the same as running from sea level to the mount, to the top of Mount Everest and back. It's about thirty three thousand feet of ascent and then thirty three thousand feet of descent. Wow. Um, and the average elevation is around two. It's a little over two miles above sea level. So if that kind of puts it into perspective. So when we started this in nineteen ninety two, we were it was we were new at, at this race directing thing, and and the story. Um, and so we were all huddled in this um, little tent because we only had about 15 or 20 people show up, you know, who took the risk with us for the first year. And the the, the story, uh, and, and it was raining and snowing. It was one of those, those times where a monsoon moved into the Colorado mountains and just stayed. And so we're all huddled. We have a radio guy and, and me as the organizer and uh, a couple of kids who were the kids of, of the, the race founder and that kind of thing. And all huddled in this little 10-foot or 12-foot camper trailer. Um, just sitting there, just just sitting there. And um, we're in this middle of this park in downtown Silverton. And if your listeners have been to Silverton, you know there's not much. Silverton's a town of about 400 people. So there's not a lot going on in Silverton at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And we're just sitting there, and it's cold and it's rainy and stuff like that. And we hear this knock on this door. And I, I opened the door and here's this runner who, um, he says, well, I just finished and I just want to let somebody know that, that I finished. Is there anybody (laughs) here I should tell? (laughs) And, and, you know, it's like, this guy's just been out here for, you know, for a day and a half of running and he has to go knock on the door to find somebody to tell him he's finished. <laughs> there's no and, one at the uh, finish line to cheer. There's nobody at the finish line. You know, it was like this blank finish line. And all he did is he just pulled in there. He goes, well, geez, may I had to tell somebody that I'm, that I finished. So, <laughs> so I, the, and the, the lesson I learned there is I, I kind of made a commitment to myself as the director that I'd be the last time that, that there wouldn't be somebody at the finish line. And so we've made it a, a tradition, I guess, that, when you finish hard rock, you just don't finish hard rock and then walk away. You stay around, you celebrate, and you you cheer the next guy in or you, you cheer the next woman in, and it becomes kind of like, wow, we're all in this together kind of thing, and it's really cool. We actually have about as many people show up for the last finisher as we do for the first finisher, so that's pretty it. cool.
2: This episode of the adventure sports podcast is brought to you by 180tac.com. 180tac manufactures premier backpacking and emergency products. Whether you need a backpacking stove for your week-long trek on the trail or an emergency stove for your bug-out bag, we have the tools you need. Visit www.180tack.com.
1: us the details about the Hard Rock 100 so you're the race uh-huh. director
0: and you've been right. doing this for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. Since 92 yeah the race has been in in, uh, in existence since 92 we, we got the idea <laughs> actually to go back to my story about western states my dad who was standing at a uh, at an aid station waiting for me to came in ran into this woman from Boulder uh, and they got to talking you know where you're from and blah 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 and it came to be known that this this woman, her name's Molly Hardman, said, well, my, my husband is thinking of putting on a race down in southwest Colorado, linking these four mining towns, and all he had was a concept. And my dad said, well, you ought to call Dale. You know, he'll be happy to help. So in a sense, I was kind of volunteered for this job by my father. But um, it was founded on this idea of celebrating the legacy of hard rock mining. And so we use a lot of the old mining trails um, – a lot of assistance from the Bureau of Land Management and that kind of thing. But it's really to celebrate uh, a pretty extreme group of people, a pretty wild and tough group of people. And it, it started very humbly, had very humble beginnings. And and then about eight or nine years into it, a guy wrote an article and said, somebody is going to die on the hard rock course and ever since then, we've been full to, or over capacity ever since. <laughs> okay, the threat so, of death is what you needed. <laughs> yeah, to the threat of death. And, and so now we have, uh, we're limited in our, our size uh, by our, our permit, our Bureau of Land Management permit, and what we think we can adequately uh, accommodate and safely accommodate. And we get for every application, or excuse me, for every spot we have this year, uh, about 11 applicants. So we have 152 spots, and this year we had a little over 1,200 applicants for Hard Rock. So I don't know what that says about the collective intelligence of 1,200 people, but, but
1: – uh, <laughs> Well, it says that there are 1,200 people who think that they can run 100 miles to the top of Mount Everest and back. Right. Yeah. yeah. And actually
0: kind of – it's interesting. Uh, the guy who won last year and who is back this year to defend his title, his name is Killian Jornet. Uh, he's from Spain. Uh, some of your some of your listeners may be familiar with him because he's kind of the it guy in ultra distance running and ultra distance skiing. Actually, is running up Mount Everest and back, um, mm, so year. he really is going to so, do it. Yeah, he's really going to do it. So he's going to do it twice in in a year. Yeah, that's
1: that's amazing. You know, I I think that people that do these sorts of things are superhuman in some way. It just seems yeah. <laughs> it just seems so amazing.
0: Yeah, you know, Kurt, and it, it is you know, and you would I mean to the uninitiated. You would you would think, God, these guys, you know, you, you would think that they're rail thin or the girls are rail thin or, you know, whatever. But you would run into these people on the street and not know that they have these this huge capacity to do this for the most part. I mean, they're they are they're studs, but they're they're it's an interesting group of people because they they're not a, any particular physiological uh, type that makes it successful other than. I mean we got tall ones, short ones, round ones, you know. We even had one guy who, believe it or not, um smoked cigarettes along the course <laughs> and still finished. <laughs> so you know, go impossible. figure how you can do that. I don't know how you could do it, but he did it.
1: Well I tell you what, you have to have amazing knees and you have to have the mental fortitude that a lot mm-hmm. of people don't have.
0: The fastest anybody's done it, Killian set a record last year and he's you know, he's under He's at about twenty two hours, 22, 30, 22 hours and thirty minutes, and our we have a forty eight hour cutoff, and we have people who come in right at forty eight hours, and so we, you know, we have a we have people scattered all over the San Juan Mountains, you know, for for a period of days. But the ones that I really, I mean, I respect the people who are at the front, but I, you know, I have total admiration and total just awe for the people who run through not one night but two nights and they're keep they're moving um for two solid days, you know, wow. against the clock. At forty eight hours and one second, it doesn't matter where you are, your 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 run is over. That little clock in the back of everybody's head is can I make it under forty eight hours? 'Cause that after after forty eight hours it, it sounds really mean, but it you know, you could come in at forty eight hours and five seconds and it wouldn't count.
1: Wow. Um, How can people get involved with your Hard Rock 100 organization? I mean, not everyone's going to want to run this. Some people would like to witness it in some way or be a part of it.
0: There's a website, of course, hardrock100.com. And we are always looking for people, and we have a wide variety. We have about 300, we have three to 400 volunteers um, who help help along the course. And, And they can get involved in a variety of ways. If they have administrative experience, we're looking for that. If they have ham radio operating experience, we we can use that. If they have medical or backcountry emergencies, you know, medical experiences, we could, could, uh, you know, use them for that. If they want to just come out and experience it, we've got plenty of opportunities working at aid stations or helping mark the course or helping take all the markers off the course. Uh, There's just a variety of things, and it's we are we have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to our volunteers because we have volunteers who come back year after year after year after year, after year to be part of it, and it actually I know this is going to if people are involved in any kind of a volunteer organization they're just going to go no that can't be true but we actually have in three spots a waiting list for people to help volunteer. Wow. So yeah, it's it's cool, but. But no we and we welcome them. We'd love to have as many people be part of the experience and share the experiences as, as as want to be there and And if they're interested, we'll find a place for them.
1: You know, I think there are a lot of people who would just like to be a part of it because of the atmosphere, you know mm-hmm. just amazing thing to see humans be able to perform this kind of athletic i mean it's 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 unbelievable, and yeah. it just to
0: see people that are overcoming on that level exactly. And 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 even you know I've been again since 1992, um, I've been involved and in, and you're exactly right, Kurt. You know it's no matter how many times I see it or how many finishers I greet at the finish line or whatever, it it still blows me away what they've accomplished. And uh, I just really I really respect them all. So
1: I I have to ask the question because I know some of the listeners sure. are out here wondering, is it a healthy thing to do? <laughs> <laughs> I mean you have to be in pretty darn good shape to attempt it but is yeah. it actually a
0: healthy thing to do um you know, you bring up a really good point and a really good question and the short answer to that is no it's not uh, you know it, it you suffer some physiological i mean i guess i guess it depends on how you, you say healthy you know because if i told 152 people in july that they couldn't run hard rock that they would be they would be crushed, but physiologically there are some things that you have to to take care of and, and there's some some damage that um, that occurs and it's interesting we're just conducting in fact this year will be our second year of a medical a pretty extensive medical study that we're doing with our medical crew to to determine what those physiological impacts are. Uh, we have two or three doctors who are using hard rock as kind of a, 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 a laboratory to, to test, to see what some of those, those things are that really become issues, but it can be a real, yeah. Physiologically, it can be a real, a, a real tough thing to do both, you know, in terms of your oxygen and your ability to process ox- oxygen that, that gets, that gets stressed out a little bit. Your, your, your bones get stressed out a little bit, you know, you're running up and down hills. Um, loading up a bunch of weight on your, on your, on your quads and on your legs. And then, you know, and again, kind of what we talked about with me with Western States, it was, if you're not careful, your kidneys are going to get shut down or you're, you know, you're going to suffer from dehydration. So there's a variety of things. Last year, we actually had a guy who almost got struck by lightning. He was pretty close and it came so close to him that he actually got his, uh, his, his headlamp knocked off. Danger lurks around every corner, Kurt.
1: (laughs) Sure. Yeah. You know, one thing that is true, though, anytime someone's in some sort of a training program, the way that the body gets stronger is through minor injury. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it triggers the growth. You bet. And this might be a, a little bit longer recovery period than a workout at the gym, but yeah. people do get well again. I'm you sure. Bet.
0: Yeah, yeah, And wow. I think if you, I think if you, and, and I don't know if Hard Rock's any different than uh, the people who who love other events and stuff like that. But but if you said would you rather go through some of these physiological things or not do this? i'm going to guess that most of them would say i'll put up with the physiological stuff so I can have those experiences and, and feel that sense of accomplishment and feel that sense of of pride in what I do um, and it's worth it
1: oh, absolutely. We've had several people on the show who uh, do the high peaks. you know they've been on Everest or Denali mm-hmm. or what have you. I uh, just interviewed a fellow the other day who summited Denali. In January of this year, wow, solo, yeah, wow, and eighty below zero. Jeez. You know, hundred mile an hour winds. Right. When people take these sorts of risks to accomplish major feats like this, um, there's always the the physical element involved. Right. There's right. there's no way around it. Um, if you're if you're doing an Arctic expedition or or mountaineering or, or what have you, it's it's part of the calculated risk, mm-hmm. and the people that do it. They love it. They're right. passionate about it. It's right. even a reason for living, right. you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, you got to do it, right? You exactly. know, if, if it is your passion, then you've got to do it.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Well said. Mm. Well said. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, how does um, distance running benefit others,
0: and and how how does it benefit individuals that are in the sport? In in Hard Rock, I mean, there's some very tangible. Benefits that we try to bring into our event, uh, you know, either through we have a, a, a scholarship fund that people can donate to, so there's this altruistic kind of thing. Uh, we also, I don't know if this is where you're going with this, but I'm I'm going to I'm going to take this I'm going to take this and run with it anyway. But um, okay, um, we, we we try to inculcate the sense of giving back and giving back to our sports So one of the things, for example, we do is. We require that everybody who runs Hard Rock give eight hours of service to another ultra or to an ultra and, and because it's our belief that they should give something back to the sport. Uh, as I said, we, we have scholarship where people contribute money and we're, we've been able actually to uh, give away over – I think the, the number now is over $35,000 worth of scholarships to, to local students um, on, in the name of Hard Rock. Um, nice. And uh, and if you if your if your listeners have been to Silverton or that area, you know it's 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 a tourist based economy, and and we we provide a huge influx of influx of money and 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 stuff into our into the communities, and and our communities are a very integral part. We couldn't do it without you know the support of of Silverton and Telluride and Uray and Lake City in terms of allowing us use of facilities and and the search and rescue and the sheriffs and the you know, in the hotels and the motels and the food and, and that kind of thing. So it is it's a community effort. In response to that, we, we feel like we give a give back a lot in terms of just, if nothing more, than exposure, uh, just the economic impact that we that we have on the community. So I don't know if that's how it benefits others. I think our sport is something again, I, I'd like to go back to that whole idea of, you know, this is this is what I like to do. I, I like to be around ultra distance runners and um, I think the sport benefits other runners because it is a place where you don't have to be an NFL type player to enjoy it. I mean, it, it's open to everybody, and there's this sense of kind of again shared purpose, shared accomplishment that that I'm not sure is is that's around in, in in other kinds of sports, and and that's something that's always kind of kept me involved that i can be just as excited for the first the last finisher as i can be for the first finisher
1: but i know there are going to be a lot of listeners out there who are going to want to know more about it is mm-hmm. is there a way that they could get in touch
0: with you sure uh they can visit our website again it's hardrock h-a-r-d-r-o-c-k one zero zero dot com or if they'd like some more information that you know or talk to me personally or volunteer or or say, what's up with this run or that kind of thing the probably the best thing to do would be to shoot me an email h a r d r o c k one zero zero at bresnan, and I'll spell that b r e s n a n dot net or find us on Facebook right on well Dell,
1: hey, thank you very much for your time today. Kurt, it's been a pleasure. Oh, you bet. And to all you listeners out there, until the next show, get out there and have some fun.